Welcome to the Stonelaw Church Podcast. I'm Neil Watson. And whether you are a regular worshipper with us, or whether you just listen to this podcast, I pray that the, the words of the message would be a real blessing to you, and that it would bring you closer to God as you experience more of the love of Jesus in your life. So we come to the end of our sermon series, Gifts, as we've looked at what it is to be a people who live by the Spirit, a people who have this fruit of the Holy Spirit out on display to the world, that they're able to see some of God through our fruit and the way that we interact with them and with the world. Now, as I was preparing for this week, this is where I, where I start to admit things to you, but I wonder if anybody can relate to what I'm about to share with you. You find yourself on a, on a Sunday evening, possibly, and you go to the cupboard and you see that there is a box of chocolates in there. So you think, oh, didn't realize they were in there. So you take it off the shelf and you realize that it's actually a full box of chocolates that haven't been opened yet. So you think, well, maybe I'll just have one or two. And you take the box through to the, the living room and plunk yourself down in front of the TV. Maybe this is just me. Or someone like me. And as you are sitting there, you put your hand in, you take a chocolate, and you go, oh, I forgot how nice these were. And then you start to get distracted, whether it's the TV that you're watching, or, I don't know, American football for me on a Sunday evening, or it might be that you're mucking around on your phone, and you get distracted, and you know, your hand's going back in the box, continuing to eat, until you put your hand in the box, and there's none left. It's probably about around about that time that your stomach starts to tell you that you probably should have exercised a bit more self-control when it comes to the chocolates. You maybe should have looked out, you know, one or two, and taken them through to the living room rather than taking the box through. Maybe that's just me. I don't know. But I'm seeing a few smiles, so I reckon that I'm not the only one who has fallen for this over the years. Self-control, to me, seems almost a, a kind of weird one to have on this list that Paul creates in Galatians 5. The others, you can, you can kind of say, well, okay, I can see how... Um, they are a response to God. You know, we, we love because He loves us. We... But self-control just seems a bit out of place. It seems to be about what's happening inside of us. The decisions that we make. But the thing is, if we're properly exercising the self-control as, as a fruit of, of the Spirit, that we're allowing the Spirit to do it, then others will benefit from the decisions that we make. 
Because 99.9% of the time, if we were looking to the Holy Spirit, we're going to make far better decisions than, than not. But we're not perfect, which is why I didn't say 100%. But 99.9%, if we're allowing the Holy Spirit to guide us fully, and we fully listen, but the thing is, we also need to understand that self-control in this context is actually nothing to do with us at all. It's not about us. Paul, in his letter to the Roman church, in chapter 7, this is what he writes. I do not understand my own actions, for I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing that I hate. Now, if I do what I do not want, I agree that the law is good. But in fact, it is no longer I that do it, but sin that dwells within me. For I know that nothing good dwells within me, that is, in my flesh. I can will what is right, but I cannot do it. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I do. Now, if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I that do it, but the sin that dwells within me. So I find it to be a law that when I want to do what is good, evil lies close at hand. Paul isn't saying that we are incapable of doing good things. That's not what he's saying here. It's that he has recognized that there is this battle that is happening within him. That there is the, 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 the sinly flesh side of wanting to make decisions or, or not make decisions. And the Holy Spirit that is working within him. Trying to prompt him to do the good thing. But he recognizes that as a human being there are times that we fail. And that this battle that's going on becomes too difficult. And we allow the, the, the fleshy side to take over. That's what he's saying that even although I know that it's not the right thing to do, I seem to be doing it. Even although I know what the good thing is that I should be doing, I can't seem to find myself doing it. And he's come to the understanding that the reason for that is that there's this battle going on and sometimes we let our guard down. And as he says, the evil lies close at hand just waiting to pick us off. So that every time we seem to get closer and closer to God, the enemy is just there waiting to snap and to take us back in. And as we come to a reading that was read so well by Cameron, well done, from 1 Samuel, David has actually been on the run from King Saul, who was the first anointed king of Israel. He's been on the run. And Saul, through his, his own strong will, he had gone against what God had, had guided him to, to do and not do, and he just decided to do his own thing because he was the king and who was going to stop him. He had absolutely no intention of allowing anyone to take over from him as king, far less David. So Saul has been in pursuit of David, for a while. And we read throughout the Psalms of the anguish that this causes David. 
that all the way throughout the Psalms, as David is being pursued by Saul, we read that he is fearful for his life. He can't sleep. He's just tired. Yet here, in our reading this morning, he's presented with another chance. This isn't even the first chance that he has to take out Saul. He's presented with this other opportunity to end it all, to be able to sleep well, to put fear to bed. And without putting too fine a point on it, as we would say on the basketball court, he's been given a layup. It is that easy. Saul is sleeping. And he is given this opportunity to completely end it all and be free. The easiest shot around. God has put Saul into this deep sleep is what it says. And in that moment, David has to make a decision. He's a decision to make. He can do the easy thing and get rid of Saul because Abishai wanted to put the spear in him. And as he says, let me pin him to the ground with one stroke of the spear. I will not strike him twice. Like I'll make sure that it's done. That's what he's saying. Just one movement of the spear in David's life would be so much easier. Saul would be gone. He wouldn't have to run anymore. He wouldn't have to be fearful for his life. However, David recognizes that if he allows this to happen, then he would have to live with it for the rest of his life. And in verse 9 it says, Do not destroy him, for who can raise his hand against the Lord's anointed and be guiltless? Saul was anointed as flawed as he was. He had been anointed by God to be the king of Israel. And David knew that someone anointed by God, you don't question that. You don't do what what is being uh, suggested here. And he knew that it would be the wrong thing to do. So despite this opportunity that is presenting itself in front of him, and where the easiest thing would have been to get rid of Saul, he does the right thing, the more difficult thing. And it says in verse 10 that David trusted in God's timing and justice. But he says, as the Lord lives, the Lord will strike him down. It's up to God. Or his day will come to die, or he will go down into battle and perish. See, David trusted that Saul would be dealt with in God's timing and with God's justice, not his. David truly recognizes, just as Paul did in his letter to the Romans, that there is this constant battle that is going on inside of us. And decisions need to be made. And we have a choice. But we also need to react like David did in the face of the circumstances that we face. Because life isn't easy. There are times that are easier than others, but they're not always easy. And I say it all the time, and I'll just say it again, that, that Christians aren't immune from the struggles of this world. And we all need help. But we need to react like David did. And rather than being weak and jumping straight to the, the thing that presents itself 
or doing the thing that would make our lives a little bit easier for a short while. We need to make sure that we're making the right godly decision that will have an everlasting effect for the long-term reward that is granted to us is so much better than the short, short-term pleasure that we might receive. It might be that we find ourselves in a place where the default is to, to eat unhealthy foods when we are struggling. And I'm not shaming anyone. I'm saying that for myself because we get that short-term pleasure from the, the snacks that we eat. But the long-term effect of that is that it's probably not the best for our health. But in the short term, it felt good. And it gave us that short burst of, of pleasure. Or it might be that we find ourselves fitting in with the, the crowd who are criticizing someone or, or something. We find it easy to slot into that rather than make the difficult decision of saying, no, I think you're being unfair there. And standing up for, for what is right. The easiest thing is to just fit in. But the difficult thing is to stand up when you are required to do so. And all of this is always about allowing the Holy Spirit to work within us and to guide us to the, the, the godly decisions. Regardless of whether that might be the most difficult option that's presenting itself. Because God's ways are infinitely better than ours. And I think there are three things that we need to take on board here to help us in this arena of self-control. And this first one won't come as a shock to you. I hope it doesn't come as a shock to you. But the first thing is that we need to constantly be connected to Jesus. That's number one. Being connected with Jesus constantly. In chapter 15 of John's Gospel, Jesus is teaching and he says, I am the vine and you are the branches. Those who abide in me and I in them bear much fruit. Because apart from me, you can do nothing. It's incredibly important that we are connected to the one that we are called to be more like each and every day of our lives. Now what that looks like will look different for others. For some it will be spending a lot of time in the scriptures. It might be to spend time in prayer. It might be to spend time with, with others, brothers and sisters, and, and wrestling with things, and staying connected with one another and with God through our Lord Jesus. Think of that Hebrew fable that I shared earlier. If the leaf had just waited for the right time, then he would have fallen from the tree and fulfilled its purpose in the ecological world. But through its, its jealousy and, and frustration, it pulled itself away and ended up suffering. Even although it had that short-term pleasure, it needed to stay close to the thing that gave it life, true life. And we do too. But through its own actions, it became too late for it to understand that. But we get the opportunity to understand it now. 
that we need to stay close to the thing that gives us life. So we need to be connected to Jesus and have that understanding that when we are connected to the vine, we're able to accomplish so much. Jesus says that we will bear much fruit, that we will show the world more of God through our actions and our interactions with them. That true dependence needs to be on Jesus. And that brings true freedom. The second thing is we need to understand that while we've went through this series, that, that, they, all, that they act in sequence. That for some of us we might think, well, I'm, I'm kind of better at some of them than I am the others, so therefore I'm okay. But the thing is, it's the fruit of the Spirit. We need to be able to exhibit all of them. Like one of these trees that has lots of fruit on it, all different kinds of fruit. It's not about just picking one or two and thinking, well, I'll, I'll be good at those ones and the other ones are, are fine. I can leave self-control to the, the side. We need to make sure that we understand that, that they are all in sequence and we need to commit to following and growing all of them. And the sequence starts with love. That's why the list starts with love. Everything is underpinned by God's love and the love that we extend to the world. And everything that comes after that is grounded in that. You know, love is like the, the blossom and joy is a, is a love that is rejoicing, that, that God rejoices in us and, and shows us that and the love that he shows us in Jesus. Patience is a, is a love that endures. You know, we probably all have people in our lives that, that we love dearly but they are not the easiest people to get along with. And neither are we at times. And it requires patience with one another to continue to love them. Not, not in my marriage, obviously. My, my wife's a delight. And I'm sure I am too. You don't have to say anything. But it requires patience. <laughs> it requires patience. Because we can't, we're not always the easiest people to, to live with and to deal with and to love. Peace is a love that trusts, that we're willing to trust God through our love for him. David clearly trusted God with all of his heart. He knew that God had his best interests at heart or he would have followed through on what had been presented to him. But he knew that God in his timing would deal with Saul and that there would come a time where he would be free from the, the struggles that he was going through. He placed, his, he placed his trust in God and he had that peace that God would have his best interests at heart. Kindness is a, a love that serves others. You know, through... Through our love, we want to, to serve others and show them that kindness. And goodness and, and, and faithfulness are, are evidence of us proving our love for God and for others. And then we have, of course, 
self-control. And self-control, I believe, is a love that restrains itself, that holds back when it needs to, and follows through on the right things. We need to realize that there are things that God wants for us and wants us to do, and there are things that God doesn't want for us and doesn't want us to do. And sometimes that thing that God is wanting for us is the easier thing to do, but sometimes it's not. Sometimes it is a difficult thing. It might require moving from one side of the country to the other. It might require something else. But sometimes it's the easy thing and sometimes it can be a difficult thing. But we need to recognize that, that when we allow self-control in the, this arena of acting on God's will, and if we are committed to it, then we will always be guided to the right decision. But the third thing is we need, to, we need to work at it. We need to work at it. It can be hard to navigate your way through life without succumbing to, as Paul says, that, that evil that lurks around, that the fleshly parts of us that, that make decisions. We need to work at allowing the Holy Spirit to guide us in the decisions that we make. As we aim to be that best version of ourselves, you know, the, the version that God has made us to be, we need to be committed to, to working on that. I remember a while back, Elizabeth and I were at a, a children's birthday party, and there were a lot of children and babies. Lots. All over the place. I was kind of sitting on this chair, just not wanting to move, just in case I stood on one or whatever. But there was this one little one, probably maybe only a year old, if that. And I could see that she was a determined wee thing. You know, she, you could just tell. And she was just moving around, not a care in the world. She just wanted to move. And as she got closer to things that she could try and pull herself up on, she would do it. And she was clearly trying to, to stand and walk. And she kept falling over. She didn't stop, though. I was watching this for probably about half an hour. She would fall over, dust herself off, and go again. Keep pulling up the determination to keep going, keep going, keep going. I had a lot of admiration for that. And somewhere along the, the, the lines of, of life, that gets knocked out of us. Life happens. And we lose that kind of determination. But we need to be doing that. We need to never give up and continue to aim for that goal. Continue to aim for that goal. And will we fail sometimes? Probably. There'll be times that we'll fail. We're not perfect. But the more you do something, the more you achieve it or you get better at it. Am I right? The more you do something, repetition. But it's important to highlight here that, that, that self-control in this sense is not the same as self-discipline. You know, self-discipline 
is when you put things in your life to make sure that you either don't do stuff or you do stuff, or you start to feel guilty because you've not done the things that you, you said you were going to do. You know, that gym membership that you bought and you've been once or twice. It's not about self-discipline. It's different. Because self-control as a fruit of the Spirit is about us giving up our control and handing it to God. It's about us giving that up and allowing the Spirit to work within us. That we would allow God to guide us in the ways that He wishes. And move us away from the things that will, that will harm us or harm other people through our actions. Because the thing is, we all have a choice, each and every one of us. You know, we had a choice today. We had a choice to stay in our bed. Well, some of us had a choice to stay in their bed. Or to come and worship. And each and every day we have a choice in what we are going to do with our life. And as we come to the, the end of this sermon series, we have a choice. We can say, okay, that, that stuff was really interesting, Neil. That stuff was really interesting. Um, but I'm okay at the moment. I think I'll come back to trying to work on that stuff at a, a more convenient time for me. That would be a choice. You could make that choice. Or we can say, yes, I want to be a person who lives by the Spirit. And I'm willing to, to see those things that God wishes to see in my life manifest and grow and develop and be out on display out to the world. You know, God allows us this free will. We have the freedom to choose. He's not going to force us to do this. So only we can make that choice. So the choice is to say, okay, I'm okay at the moment. I'll come back to it at a later date. Or you make the choice to die to ourselves and allow Jesus to guide our life. That we'd allow the, the power of the Holy Spirit to work within us, to transform us and to guide us. And my prayer is that you would receive that gift this morning that dwells within you, the Holy Spirit, just waiting to burst forth the fruit. But it all starts by giving up our control to God. And fully committing to be a person who lives by the Spirit. Shall we pray? Let's pray. Father, we thank you that we never walk alone. That you walk with us. And we're sorry that we sometimes fall into the traps that are set by the enemy. And tend to do the easy thing. Anything for an easy life. We might even do the things that you wish us not to. Help us to realize this battle that is happening within us. And help us to develop an ability to hand over all control to you. That you would be sovereign in our lives. That our self-control would be in check. And that through the Holy Spirit we would know the good and godly ways of things. We ask all of this in the precious and mighty name of Jesus. Amen.